Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I am your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. Good morning. How are you? You know, it's been good. I can't I can't complain over here on, on our end. It's um, always an interesting week when we're living in 2021 or even Trump and post-Trump. Um, yeah. But I'm glad CPAC is over. I'm, I'm hoping that we don't have to hear from Trump too much more. But, um, but, but nonetheless, there's always something interesting to talk about, I will say. I, and I did want to also say, I know one episode we talked about um, Married at First Sight, and for those that watch it, Yes, I am still appalled by the same couple. <laughs> he continues to do worse, but I know. thought you were about to tell us that you got married at first sight. Oh. Or that you were going to soon be a contestant on the show. <laughs> yeah. No, you would be there, I presume. Well, I would I would I'd be happy happily present, singing at your wedding. I don't know if you're gonna be doing that or not, but singing when a man worships, right? Again, yeah, plug that on in there. <laughs> I do have a question for you because it uh, came up in conversation this week. This right here, the hoodie. Yeah, is this a shirt or is it a jacket? Oh, yes. And should it be worn once and washed, or should it be worn all day, multiple days, and you know, over another shirt and still worn again in the same public space? You know, I saw that. And for me, if it zips up, I consider it more of a jacket. But if it is a pullover, I do consider it more of a shirt. Now, I will say, even as a shirt, I may wear it more than once <laughs> before washing it. <laughs> I but, agree. <laughs> but I do classify it as a shirt if it doesn't zip in the middle. But would you wear it two or three days in a row at in the same place, same venue, work, school, wherever it is, same public venue, would you wear it two or three days in a, in a row? Only if it zips up. And then I think because when it zips up, it's clear I'm going to wear a shirt under it, whereas when mm. it's not zipping up, it, 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 who knows if I have a shirt under it or not. I totally agree with you. <laughs> but it, you know, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how this topic came up this week, but <laughs> it's interesting to me just how varied people's opinions are about this. And um, a hoodie has always been a shirt to me, you know, and, and I understand why you would wear it, put it over something else, put it over a uh, another shirt to stay warm at some point. But I'm saying there's no zipper here. This is not a jacket. This is this is a sweatshirt with a hood. I'm sorry. You do not wear the same sweatshirt in the same public venue three days in a row. That just didn't happen. So now did someone call you out because you were wearing it two or three days in a row or what? No. <laughs> No, no, not at all. No, uh, uh, 
you know, it was just we were just having some conversation about how kids wear them in school, and you know, a kid may wear them at school all day long, yeah. and, and you know, I heard the story of a teacher calling a parent because they say, "Hey, your child's been wearing this same hoodie," you know multiple days and I just wanted to make sure you were aware. <laughs> <laughs> so, As if they weren't, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, I want to make sure you know I'm aware <laughs> that you're either not bathing this kid or... <laughs> and that's, and you know, that's the implication. That was the implication. And so I think people, when they see that you're wearing the same thing, especially if you're, if you're a child in a classroom and your teacher is only with you for 40 minutes or an hour or whatever, and you have it on for that entire duration, the next day you've got the same thing on. It looks like you got the same attire on. So these are things that I guess will never be answered. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, though, that we can think go, about mm-hmm. some of this stuff versus being bogged down <laughs> by the stress <laughs> of, am I relevant? As Does my life matter? I mean, I was glad that we don't <laughs> keep well, talking you know, about that you know hoodies do matter hoodies <laughs> do matter i promise you <laughs> well, i must say trayvon martin that's really what i often think of when i think of the hoodie is trayvon martin yeah. and how that seemed to classify people as thugs or whatever <laughs> like, yeah. whatever negative connotation when you wear it well i tell you for the past three years that's been my christmas gift of choice is a hoodie. Just get me hoodies. Give me a, a variety of different hoodies because I freeze in my house. My wife likes to keep it cold in here. I don't know what's really going on. She's so hot. That's what it is. She's so hot. I have to. I have to. You have to keep the temperature down in the house for that. Well, well we know who way. isn't hot. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I put my hoodie on. I put my hoodie on. I become hot. <laughs> Oh, man, the insults start early, don't they? Right <laughs> off the rip. <laughs> it is the fun teasing, unless you know, the, the love notes or the love taps, unless you know you're loved, yes. Mark. <laughs> well, it's good to have those because, you know, sometimes, you know, people get a little crazy in this uh, environment of high offense. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> touchy about everything anymore. And so don't come on the roundtable consult as a co-host with Sonya if you're going to be touchy <laughs> and, and easily offended because she will let it rip. Please. They, <laughs> our viewers have seen how lovely I am as a as a um, host as well as to my guests. They all express their love for joining <laughs> and experiencing the beauty that is Sonia. You know, one day yourself. I just want to live. I just want one day. I just want to spend one day in this imaginary world that you live in. <laughs> it's got to be totally enjoyable. <laughs> Because it's amusing to me, at least at times. But then I start wondering, I was like, is she serious? Does she really believe these things? And then we start, you know, kicking over into psychiatry mode. And then, then we can make it work. Well, I will say, though, in certain settings, though, I mean, because obviously I know you, we, we joke and tease. But, it, you know, with the Andrew Cuomo situation, I do think that there are certain settings where it is important to realize, hey, listen, there are appropriate things to say and there are not appropriate things to say. And asking someone about their sexual preferences in the workplace, Mr. Cuomo, is not an appropriate thing to say. And to push that on the woman to be responsible for essentially educating you on what is unwelcome and what is considered harassment 
I think it's a, a culture that we need to change. I will say that these are allegations. You know, these are allegations. They have not been proven. <laughs> and uh, and I'm not saying that he's not guilty of them. But, you know, according to Andrew Cuomo, he never propositioned this woman and thought that he was being a mentor, supposedly. Uh, <laughs> well, for my and that's true. Thank you for putting that out. That's true. But I will say from that apology that he sent where he said, you know, I didn't intend to offend her or didn't intend for it to, you know, be a proposition. The reality is it, you're, you can always say in hindsight, I didn't intend one way or another, but the topic itself is still inappropriate. It is inappropriate to say. Um, and we've seen the picture where he's got his hands on the girl's face. That's inappropriate. And you saying, well, I didn't intend for it to come off as offensive or whatever that, that to me belittles or discredits your responsibility to behave appropriately, particularly as an older man in a government position talking to someone who's in their 20s. Now, I will say that's inappropriate in certain cultures and certain environments. You go around the world, people greet each other with a kiss at that point. And so if you are see that's the problem with men see that natural. is the problem with you guys if you're gonna sit here and continue to say well it's appropriate in india or whatever say, trust me i didn't say that it was appropriate anywhere i just said everything everything has to be taken into context uh because you can't just blank you can't blankly make a statement to say that this is inappropriate you have to qualify it you well i said it's, i said it is that. inappropriate as a person in a government position who was in their yes. 60s talking to someone in their 20s I, I qualified those parameters <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm just also like i don't I, I and i think that's the problem and i think it I, we see it again as black people as well it's as if Okay, you say something that is belittling to me, but yet you're being able to say, well, I didn't intend it that way. Like You call me a monkey. Well, I didn't intend you were technically a monkey, but I shouldn't have to educate you on how historically derogatory that is. Who does? <laughs> Who, whose responsibility is it to educate them about it? Because if they obviously our our public education system hasn't educated them about it, our social media and, and television hasn't um, educated them. Magazines, children's books, even for that matter, haven't educated them about what's inappropriate. We're only now starting to learn. A lot of let me not say that we're only, only now. a lot of white people mm -hmm. are only now starting to learn. Hey, is that inappropriate? I had a friend of mine post something on Facebook the other day that says, you know, Kamala Harris was not naturally born. And so she shouldn't have been uh, president. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would you put such a racist statement out there like that? That's not racist. I, I don't believe that she's naturally born. If both of her parents weren't, uh, you know, natural born citizens or weren't uh, naturalized citizens when she was born, then she was not naturally born. Well, that's just ignorance because you just read the Constitution. And if you were born inside the United States, regardless of the immigration or citizenship status of your friend, of their parents, you are naturally born. You're but, being too accommodating, Dr. Williams. I mean, you know, he only <laughs> says that because she is a person of color. How many people, uh, are, even white people who have immigrant parents that came from Italy or came from Czechoslovakia, they are not questioned about whether they are naturally born citizens. And I do want to put citizens, I know you said naturally born, but you meant, you know, naturally born citizens of the United States. And, and, and yet we don't question that. But now because she's a woman of color, 
who, um, and again, most of us probably have mixed heritage of some sort, and you make that comment. That to me was the same with Barack Obama. So the excuse of, you know, oh, oh, now you're being educated. No, that happened even Barack Obama's time when we sat there and had the whole birth movement. I'm just not buying this anymore that, hey, we have to continue to educate people because we're in a different state of mind here and everything's in the forefront. We have gone through slavery, civil rights, where it was the same situation of race relations being in the forefront. I'm not going to keep having to, to excuse your quote unquote ignorance when it really is a racial undertone that, that's happening here. Well, I listen, as a black man, I agree with your position on this. But you and I are limited in our perspective because race has always been at the forefront of our attention. We don't have the privilege or the benefit of not considering race. We don't have the benefit or the privilege of not having to parse our words and understand and, and police our actions or behaviors because of how it might be perceived by the masses. And because the masses, the majority popular, not masters, masses, <laughs> the masses, <laughs> or masses for that matter, the masses and the masses are the ones who actually determine what are the limits of acceptability. And so if they set the standard of what's acceptable and then they operate within the framework of what they've established as being acceptable, then then it never occurs to them that the things that they are saying and or doing are unacceptable until somebody comes along and said, listen, I am not an animal. I am a human being, <laughs> quoting the elephant man. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am not an animal. We're human beings. We are entitled. We are endowed with the same inalienable rights as you are. And it takes some reconditioning and relearning, uh, transformation of the way that you think and interact with people before that happens. Um, I'm looking at the, the whole situation with, what's his name, Chris Harrison with The, um, the Bachelor. With the bachelor the host of The Bachelor. And so he's been in the news lately uh, because of some of his uh, defense with uh, in an interview uh, with Rachel Lindsay in which they talk about a, a former contestant who hosted this antebellum party and uh, on a plantation and how racially offensive it was. He got in trouble. And I probably I think it might have been a little bit over sensitized uh but he got in trouble because to some extent he defended or or he is perceived as being defending the party and all of its insensitivities but his comment was that in 2018 even just three years ago that was not as offensive in the general in the masses amongst the masses <laughs> they had no idea that that would be as offensive as they are aware in 2021. That's probably true. Right now in 2021, white people are being policed and they are parsing every word that they say and are going to make some mistakes. The question is, is how, how aggressive do we need to be about, you know, penalizing them? I, I disagree that it, it wasn't just as much offensive in 2018 as it was in 2021. If, if to me, if people make the argument that oh, race issues were okay because we elected Barack Obama, then if you make that argument, then and that was again before 2018, then it should have been offensive in 2018. 
for one. But for two, and, and I think this is perhaps most importantly, if you don't know, then don't defend what you don't know. What to me, the problem with Chris's comment is, oh, it wasn't as offensive in 2018. Yes, it was. You just as a white person didn't find it offensive. But don't tell me as a black person that this still wasn't offensive in 2018. And that's to me what I have a problem with. And that's why I'm going, even going back with the, with the women and, and Andrew Cuomo, don't tell me that a comment isn't offensive because you didn't find it offensive. If I find it offensive, I don't care what year you say it. And, and to me, it reminds you of blackface. Oh, you know, blackface was okay in the 1990s or the 1980s, but it's not okay in 2000s. But that, that argument is weak. It was not okay in the 1980s and the 1990s. But just It because, was okay for white people to do it. it no, was it wasn't. Not, it was still, it was still, <laughs> it was it was still okay offensive. from their... It was offensive, but it was an acceptable offense. It was acceptable by white people to do that. Now, the problem is, is now it was never acceptable for Antibella us to do it. parties are still acceptable by white people in 2021. Ex- <laughs> so exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, and, I mean, and so that should be his point. <laughs> but that should be it, his point. You, you know, know, they are learning. <laughs> no, I'm saying it, it is by white people. Antebellum parties even today are acceptable. But we're the ones, whereas the black people are just being more vocal at calling you out. But it was not acceptable in 2018 and it's not acceptable in 2021. And it wasn't acceptable in no matter what year you place it there. And so that's my thing is, first of all, if you're going to tell us it's our responsibility as minorities, and I don't care if it's a racial or gender thing, which I feel like that's what's being told, it's our responsibilities as minorities to educate the, the masses or the masses on what's offensive. And so if that is the case, don't tell me, oh, it wasn't offensive in 2018. Yes, it was. It's my responsibility to tell you, then yes, it was. Don't argue with me about that. But now, <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying to Chris, like don't argue if Rachel is telling you, no, it was offensive then. Don't come back and, and tell her about how she as a black woman should not perceive something offensive then at, in the same context as in 2021. Well, I don't think there's any question about whether or not it was offensive. The question is, is whether or not they knew it was offensive. And, um, you know, if you go from a biblical perspective, you would say without the law, there was no consciousness of sin and therefore penalty could not be imputed. And the purpose of a law was to bring forth. And I'm talking from a biblical stance. The purpose of the law was to bring awareness of the offense or awareness of the sin or transgression. And so the uh, question is, as Christians, should we then hold people accountable who are not aware of their offense? The Bible tells us if, if, if your brother offends you, then it is our responsibility to go to that brother and to make him aware of that offense. And if he listens, then we've gained a brother is what Matthew 18 says. Uh, so, yeah. So there is an onus on the one who gets offended to be the one to say, hey, listen, these are the circumstances under which this is offended offensive the problem is that in the past people just haven't listened and didn't even invite us to do that i uh posted but as something well as earlier people are insensitive what why are we selling to and i and i hear that and that's true that as if i'm offended i should tell someone but at the same time i'm also like you're having an antebellum party that's like waving the confederate flag there should be no question what you're celebrating here why would you not think i would not find that offensive I mean, can we not have some consideration? I mean, if we want to go back to the Bible, if God is telling Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit, 
God doesn't need to explain to Adam why eating the fruit would be offensive to him. Don't do but, it. <laughs> but he wouldn't know. He wouldn't know unless God said, don't eat the fruit. And so we're saying don't celebrate slavery. Now, anything that goes under that connotation should be a given. Don't have but no, are that, they all that should be a given. Question is, are they celebrating slavery or are they celebrating uh, a, a period in time where that is still part of their history. It's Whether, still part of our history, you know, they, too. Now, it would have been a different story if they had... I would say they were celebrating slavery if they had slaves on the field at the, at the end of the what, party. Whatever. And had you served You know, that would whatever. be a different story. No, it's the same but story. The, you're the, celebrating a period of time where you were enslaving a group of people. So we're talking about, okay, so then don't have any 1970s parties. Because if you have a 1970s party, you're still celebrating a time when when black people had fewer liberties than what we have right now. And okay, fewer access. If, now, if you're going to celebrate so. in, um, segregated schools, then yes, that, would, that to me is the same. But because, again, an antebellum party wasn't about celebrating the 19, you know, 20s and 30s or whatever the year that is it was it was celebrating what antebellum said I mean that was the whole connotation there so that's what I'm saying like the the synonymous would be celebrating the confederate flag what I mean come on what does that well what does there, that mean there are, here? there are people there are people who celebrate the confederate flag and it because is offensive. They, <laughs> it's offensive so hey listen I've got I, I posted something this week I want to read it it says if you've always enjoyed a favorite status in society whether it be a male gender or being of the majority race you've likely never had to parse your words or police your behaviors as others have had to in order to conform to your standard but when those who have historically been unfavored are empowered without fear of retribution to confront, whether it's cordially or dogmatically, uh, the offensiveness of your words and acts, it seems like it's an exaggeration. And, and so what happens is we've got now a whole bunch of people who are saying, you know, hey, you guys are being overly sensitive about these things. I, I continue. I say I understand how it can seem to be fabricated and be infuriating that others are endorsing it. They get mad that other people are saying, yeah, that's offensive. Uh, but consider this just because you never knew or acknowledged that a previously it previously existed doesn't affirm its novelty. It's not new just because you never heard of it. It just confirms your ignorance of it. And it testifies to the remarkable ability of the unfavored to adapt in a hostile work environment when necessary or a hostile environment, period, when necessary. What am I saying? I'm saying the reality is, is that it's always existed. They just didn't know that it existed. They didn't and the care reason why they, they existed. They didn't know, care. didn't care. Why? Because they <laughs> because established the rules. if you cared, you would have done your research. If you cared, you would have done your research. Yeah, but when you, you are care. when you have the top dog, you're not <laughs> generally speaking. When you are the top dog, regardless of what race you are, you can go to different countries where there are predominant races. When you are the one who holds the power and you are the one who sets the standards and the limits of what's acceptable, then you generally don't regard the people who don't get to do who don't get to set that standard. You you operate based off of what's acceptable in your from your uh, perspective until other people rise up and are empowered to be able to say you're wrong. And we've only recently been able to uh, 
it's have not just as big recently. Of a voice. I don't even know what recently means, but but, no. but I'm saying, but to me, I'm saying, if you don't care, then don't call me over sensitive, because you have shown historically that you don't care, and that's my problem. Is when people are like, oh, you're just being overly sensitive. This has been an issue for years, and you have shown not to care. Now, I guess from your perspective, if now I feel empowered to say something, and you're just going to call me oversensitive, I mean, you're still disregarding how I feel about something that has traditionally oppressed a group of people. But now, to, to, some, to transition, should I counsel you? And to me, depending on your response, once I bring it to your attention, that then when we have the conversation of whether or not someone should be canceled. Well, um, if you don't have power, if you're not empowered to make that offense known, uh, you have no power to cancel. So what the reason why I say this has become a recent thing is because only recently have we had the immediate power to cancel people. We've always known that boycott was effective, but even the bus boycotts back in the 1960s, I guess it was, even those those were effective. But they took a much longer period of time to effect the change that they want. And it required that those people who were actually committed to the cause be willing to suffer a great inconvenience and a great loss in order to do it. You had to walk to where you had to go. You had to inconvenience yourself tremendously in order to be able to have a, a nominal effect on the masses. And so now with the advent of social media, causes can be affected, you know, in a matter of hours, things go viral. In a matter of hours, you can have somebody being penalized for having done something that was offensive. And that's where they this where this thing cancel culture came up. Boycott has already been there, but cancel culture is the new way of describing boycott because we now have power to be able to say if you don't conform to the rules not and the standard not set by you, but now set by the true majority of the people, the ones who were ignored before, the unfavored before. If you don't comply with that, we now have the ability and the power to cancel you. And frankly, I got to tell you, I love it because it means that it means that the general population, including those who don't hold power, those who have been disenfranchised, now have the ability to establish the limits of acceptability in society. Well, I mean, I I do think I know you're saying more recent and I guess social media has made it quicker. But I mean, I do think we cancel culture to me isn't necessarily new. Um, I mean, you look at George Bush. I mean, I don't know at what point we kind of decide that the social media has really blown up. But if we look at social media blowing up once Obama took office because he essentially used social media um, to garner a lot of attention. Look at George Bush when Hurricane Katrina happened. I mean, a lot of people was on a cancel George Bush um, it, it, it leading off with your boy Kanye West, George Bush doesn't care about black people statement. <laughs> and essentially, you know, calling him either prejudiced or some would say racist or, or the like. Now it's funny, we can look now and compare him with Trump and be like, man, I long for those days of George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that to say, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if cancel culture is necessarily new, but to your point, social media has made it to where you can garner the masses much more quickly and, and, and get people to respond and, and, and essentially adjudicate you 
in, in a much quicker speed. And, and to some degree, you know, as, as a lawyer, you do think that it then kind of thwarts the justice system because you want, like, for example, with the Andrew Cuomo case, or even Bill Cosby when that happened, um, because social media blasted out, you can't have a jury that doesn't quite have any knowledge of the facts once you bring it to the to the attention. They've already come in with their preconceived um, notions or information that they've received. And so on the one hand, it, it does then thwart the justice system per se. But on the other hand, as we talked about earlier, I mean, if people are going to make this argument that, well, I didn't know because they refuse to either do their own research on their own white privilege, because to me, racism has existed for as long as I can remember. But now if I'm the one that's the only person that's got to educate myself on my own history, you don't even recognize how you are not even trying to see how the, the race, racial issues continue to, the, to today, then that's you wanting to intentionally pretty much be in this blissful state. And that's why I don't, I don't do a lot of empathizing because I'm like, you're choosing not to care. Yeah. I, uh, well, just to be clear, I wasn't saying cancel culture is new. I'm, I equated it to boycott and boycott is pretty much the same thing. You're saying we're going to cancel you. It's just a lot faster in this age of social media. I do want to get to some of the comments that we, uh, that we have some of our viewers <clears throat> says being accepted does not negate offensiveness. And then they go on and say, Sonya's winning this one, Doc. <laughs> That's more visibly. And, and understand what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's acceptable. It is not acceptable or that it should be acceptable. I'm saying at least within their perspective, it's acceptable behavior until, until uh, they start feeling the consequences of it. Uh, yes, it was acceptable to them, not to us, to wear blackface back in the 70s and 80s, 90s. Yes, it was acceptable to them in 2018, maybe in 2021, to uh, host an antebellum party. But I guarantee you in 2022, <laughs> now that they've been made aware of the consequences of it, it will no longer be acceptable to them because we knew all along that it was not acceptable. The problem is, is that we were never consulted about it. And if we're never <laughs> consulted about it, then they continue on in their ignorance. And now the problem that I have with, with your, your position on this, Sonia, is that we want them to consult with us, but we don't want to have the obligation to teach them about what's acceptable. We think that they should automatically presume it. And I'm going to use the analogy with, with marriages. That's a failure. That's a recipe for failure of marriages to assume that your spouse is supposed to just automatically know what you think and what you like and what would be offensive to you. And that's the most intimate relationship, supposedly the most intimate relationships that we're supposed to have. And now you want to take that same that same uh, uh, prerequisite or that same requirement that even intimate married couples can't get right. And you want to apply it to somebody who's white, who never had a close black friend. And they're supposed to automatically know this. I, I disagree with that. It is. I do think that there's a burden on us to be able to educate the white population about what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what is offensive, what is not offensive. How do you remedy an offense when it occurs? I can get, I can get with your argument if we're talking about um, even systemic racism, or even though I couldn't get it with there, but but 
to me, even with your, your analogy of the marriage, if your wife, if you know she has a history of abuse, either from a family member or, or a friend or whatever, and you in her presence make light of abuse, she shouldn't have to tell you that that is offensive. You should know that, hey, I know that this is something she's sensitive about and I'm not going to celebrate it. I'm not going to do throw any parties related to abuse or related to a period where women were inferior. I'm not gonna do stuff like that. And so that to me is what is, anal what is the analogy here. Not, and, and yes, she can on her own say, you know, let's not do this, uh, Mark, because this does trigger me. But I'm saying you should think as well, hey, I know my wife is suffering from abuse. Should I really have a party celebrating a period of time where women were abused or celebrating a family member who abused her or anything that could possibly trigger a sensitive moment in her life? you should think about whether that is something you, a situation you want to celebrate and put her in. Like she shouldn't have to so, always tell you that this is what's happening. Let's go with that. Let's go with that same analogy. Let's say, for example, my wife suffered an abuse on our birth date. Uh, and on that birth date, she had strawberry cake and she never liked strawberry cake before since after that. I have no idea the details of what led up to that offense or or maybe it was somebody touched her, you know, on the inside of her thigh at some point. And that touch on the inside of her thigh, just a very friendly, casual touch on the inside of the thigh while I'm sitting next to you on the couch might be a trigger for you. I have no idea, even though I, I know that you have suffered this abuse, I don't know what all your triggers are. Heck, you might not even know what all your triggers are. And some of those things are only discovered when they occur. And so therefore to expect me to automatically know what every one of your potential triggers are, even whether it's directly related or or you know tangentially related that's that's an unreasonable <laughs> expectation i expect you to ask and that to me is the problem here is that you don't you know a birthday could possibly trigger her given that she has told you that i suffer abuse every year on my birthday or a, a specific incident on my birthday so to me as her husband you should at least ask hey you know is it okay if we celebrate your birthday Hey, you know, I just want to make sure you're comfortable. And if you are saying, well, I shouldn't even have to ask. It, it, to me, the fact that she is vulnerable enough to tell you about her history is it's an indication for you to say, you know what? Let me make sure I am not triggering something that she has shared to be very sensitive to her. And, and again, I, I, I put some ownership on her, too, if she didn't know to tell you, oh, you know, I know that. You didn't know, I didn't know, but let's not do the thought thing. And that's fine. But I'm also saying historically, we as minorities have repeatedly, and I'm, and I'm not even talking about racial, even as women have repeatedly told men, hey, don't do X, Y, and Z. Don't do blackface. Don't throw around the Confederate flag. Don't have any better parties. We have told you that long before 2018. I never and heard. <laughs> I never heard anybody say don't do antebellum parties. I've never Did heard anybody say that. <laughs> truth, truth be told, I'm gonna probably get in trouble. I don't even know what an antebellum party is, frankly. I've never been invited to one. I've you, never seen one. Exactly, and I think that's part of the point too. They know not to invite you. But <laughs> 
but I mean, I think that's part of the point too. I mean, if you're having a party full of, of and you know, hey, I have no black friends, I'm gonna pretty much celebrate a period. Was this? I mean, to me, that's what I'm saying. Like, I get that. Okay, me as a black woman, or me as a female, or me as a minority. Yes, sometimes I'm going to have to use my power to say, no, what you're doing is insensitive. But I'm also asking as people of the masses, whether that's men or whether that's white people, hey, you need to check your privilege here because you still have the responsibility of caring and asking yourself, hey, let me one, make sure that I do have people, a diverse set of um, circle of friends so that we can have these conversations and I can be in the know. But then two, hey, I've realized I'm celebrating a period where a, a group of people do not want to relive. Is that okay? <laughs> well, I, I will say, I will concede that there should be some um, gratuity offered uh, from, the, from the side or some level of concern on the part of the, those who are in power and in control to say, hey, listen, am I what I'm doing offensive? They should ask, uh, even if they don't know. But by the same token, I believe that we have an obligation to also let people know when they've done something that was offensive because they will do some things that are offensive unintentionally, unwittingly. And if we continue to just ignore that offense, which, you know, this past week I had some friends who was like, you know, you're supposed to just ignore offenses. I'm so tired of people always telling somebody when they offended. Why can't you just ignore it and get over it? I'm sitting there like, because if I do ignore it, it will happen again and I'll be offended the next time it happens. But if I bring it to your attention, the hope is that at some point you will care enough to say, I don't want to do this again. And uh, I do want to read another couple of comments here. We've got uh, one viewer says, as a man, please tell me what as a man, please tell me what I did wrong. Don't make me read your mind. Hashtag my male privilege. And, you know, I promise you, men, we just don't think like women do. We just don't. And white people just don't think like black people do because we all have different experiences. I watched. um, What's not blackish? What's that other? Um. The spinoff of Blackish. Mixedish or Grownish. Uh, Mixedish. Yes, I watched Mixedish. It's a horrible episode, but <laughs> <laughs> it was just bad. But the, the meaning behind it was good because there's so many different roles that we play that people are unaware that these are the roles that you play as a black woman in the workplace. And, you know, this person was the, the counselor. People come to me telling me about all of my problems and, and I'm supposed to take it on. And, and you come to me, I'm supposed to be the best buddy at some point and I'm still supposed to do all of these things and still get my work done. It's all of these unspoken expectations that I don't know as a man that what you experience, I don't know as a white person what you experience as a black person. So therefore, I don't know the right questions to ask and when to ask those. Frankly, in this environment today, if I'm a white person, I don't even know if I ask the question, if I'm going to get chewed out or if I'm going to get arrested for for a racial offense. Depends on your delivery. I will say that now to the comment or the viewer. I mean, if, if looking at some of the comments that have come out about Andrew Cuomo, again, one of them being he asked um, this one intern, hey, would you be intimate or would you consider dating a guy who's in his 60s? Okay, you would not ask that of a man. So that should, I, a woman shouldn't have to tell you that that's I inappropriate. Ask a, I, would, I would ask You wouldn't ask that. another man, hey, would you date someone in their 50s? 
Yeah, like a, I would uh, ask old another man, man in their 50s uh, at the workplace. I would ask, well, I don't know about the workplace. At least let me not say, <laughs> let me not at least incriminate myself. But. At the workplace. That's what I'm saying. We, we're still in the connotation of the workplace here. But that, that's, that's, in, like, that's inappropriate. And then I think another thing that came out, again, he's putting his hands in this young woman's face. Again, you are a government official. Men, come on. That's inappropriate. You, you shouldn't be doing that to a 20-year-old man. Again, I mean, 20-year-old woman, you wouldn't do it to a 20, 20-year-old man. The optics just do not look good. Um, so again, inappropriate. And, and I think that's why I, I'm saying like some of this is common sense. Now I get maybe some other stuff like the flirting. I understand, hey, women flirt in the workplace. Men flirt. I, I get some of the, all that. But I think some of the stuff here that has come out with Andrew Promo should be obvious that that is blatantly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 curious though. Um, if, if it's I, if it's there's true. no way in this world that if I it's true. yeah. If it's true. <laughs> I, there's no way in this world that I defend it. But I I will say that it is becoming um, a little bit difficult to know what to say, what not to say, uh, because even some of the smallest things that you say can be misconstrued and taken as offense. It and, shouldn't be difficult to know what to say. But I'll give you the not to say. I mean, it, you can always say, hey, how you're doing? Hey, how's life? I mean, <laughs> we all know what professional communications look like. But according to Cuomo, according, and, and don't get me wrong, this is not a defense of anything about what <laughs> Cuomo did or said. But according to him, Cuomo says that he ca- she came to him about the her past offense and her ba- her past uh, abuse. And, you know, if someone's talking to me about their past abuse, I don't know how to respond to that. So you say it should be easy to know what to say. It's not always easy you to should know, know not what to say. To say well, in that would you consider dating a 60 year old man? I mean, I think that's <laughs> but I mean, and obviously I advise employers all the time say, hey, we have an employee assistance program that you can contact if you want to discuss further. If you know that you are not a psychiatrist and you are not in a position to respond, then don't become what you know you're not. <laughs> so can I, so then the question is, can a, an employer be a mentor? Because if an employer can not be a mentor or then perhaps they shouldn't, you know, have those conversations. Well, let's define but mentor. Some... If, if the mentor is to ensure that professionally you're growing, yes. But now if we're talking about mentor in terms of making sure you're dating correctly or making sure I know your sexual preferences. No, that's not something that you should be a mentor about. So let's say, for example, um, your employees know that you have a successful marriage and they see the interaction between you and your spouse and your employee, your employer or subordinate is having some issues with their own family thing at home. And they say, hey, I wonder, can you what do you think about this? And, And am I then able to give information or should I be like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> because remember, I'm also a Christian. I'm also a caring type of person. I generally care about my employees. And I'm not talking about me particularly, but I do. <laughs> but I'm just saying in general, 
uh, generically speaking, I ain't care. I care about my employees. I can care about their their well being when they're mentally good in good shape. They are more productive at work. And so, where where's the line drawn at some point? Should I just not cut it off? And like, no, 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 don't talk to me about this kind of stuff anymore. That's where we're headed, though, right? That is where we're headed. And I would say, of course, as the if I was your legal advisor, I would say I would encourage you not to engage in those conversations in the workplace. Now, if you want to defer to outside of the workplace, then that that's an option that you have. But as long as you're in the workplace, you're pretty much putting your business um, in, a, in a vulnerable position for it to be construed something differently. And that to me is, is the issue. I think one of the issues with Andrew Cuomo, listen, you're out here as the governor and in front one, you've got two people who worked for you that are complaining about what you did during work hours. And you got one person complaining to you um, at a, that something happened at a wedding that she didn't really know who you were. So, I mean, I, I think again, the context is very important, but I also think that a lot of people like to use these extreme issues to then question, oh, well, I can't do nothing. I think it's obvious. And then again, this is racial and gender. It should be obvious that you can't throw a Confederate flag around. Now, does that mean that we can't still talk about, you know, different comedic jokes among black and white comedians? Okay, we can still laugh about Dave Chappelle. We can still laugh. I mean, he's, he's still out there Until doing somebody his gets thing. offended. Until somebody gets <laughs> and offended. And if someone's offended, then you stop doing that. But I'm just saying, don't take, don't use the Confederate flag situation as a means to say how overly sensitive people are. <laughs> Comment. Dots gaining ground. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. I just wanted you to know that. That he does you know, have some support out there in the common areas. <laughs> I got some support there. Hey, there's another question that I did want to uh, make sure that I got in here. The two, uh, two other ones. I think there was one other one that was, uh, it says, do you think that social media has accelerated the awareness of a group's disdain? I, I mean, I do think Trump was able to win because of social media and that he did uproot a base that probably felt underrepresented or unsupported. Um, and, and they may, I guess, from as a minority, from my perspective, I felt like, oh, you didn't like Obama. You didn't like the fact that we had a black president and you've, you've used that to uproot a, people, a level of people who also, by virtue of his skin color, did not like him. And so to, to answer that question, yeah, I do think social media has also emboldened uh, masses of people who are still inherently racist or sexist or insensitive based on someone's protected class, even if it's sexual orientation. But social, by the same token, is giving a voice to a lot of people who were ignored before. I mean, that's the same thing. It could apply to both sides. Yeah. Some that should be ignored and some that shouldn't have been ignored. <laughs> <laughs> but it's giving a voice to both of them. And that's the yeah. that's the uh, yeah. both sides of that sword cuts both ways. Um, and then another viewer said it's called continuous bias when you're talking to employees. I'm not sure what that really means to you. Continuous bias. Continuous bias. I'm not sure what they're trying to say. Yeah. When you're talking to employees, I, I don't know, it's it's probably does put you in that situation where you can easily be canceled. So the question <laughs> that you said. <laughs> easily be canceled. <laughs> so you said, I, and I do, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over this because you sort of slid it in there. You said, I think if a person apologizes for it, maybe they shouldn't be canceled. 
is that across the board? So if Andrew Cuomo apologizes for what he's done and said, really, honestly, I just didn't know that this don't was Don't qualify the apology. Or, I think that's the problem. Because he, he did sub submit an apology, but it was, again, I apologize. I didn't know it was offensive. I didn't intend for it to be inappropriate. It wasn't intentionally meant to put someone in an inappropriate uh, or uncomfortable situation. And I'm saying don't qualify. What you did was so wrong. So would it be better if he said, I apologize, I know it was wrong and I intended to hurt you? No, I apologize. I recognize what I did was wrong and I won't do it again. I mean, you, you're you a Christian. You know what forgiveness looks like. You apologize for the sin. You then yeah. recognize it was a sin and you don't repeat the same behavior. Why is there why is there a harm in saying, listen, I had no consciousness of what I did. I'm, <laughs> no I'm sorry. I, I, I had no consciousness. <laughs> I, I really didn't know that I was offending you and I would never do anything to offend you. I'm sorry that this hurt this hurt you. Why is that? A, why is that? A, why is that a qualification? That's not a qualification. It and is. It doesn't a, diminish and, the, and again, uh, as the woman at all, as the woman. <laughs> And, and and if you it's saw her woman. as a woman, don't play that damn woman, a woman. <laughs> since I have to educate as the woman, <laughs> the <laughs> the men and what this means. But if you looked at the the interview that the woman did, and and it may not have aired in the full capacity, but I saw clips, and I want to say it was on ABC, but it could be CBS. She she says, you know, it's it's heartbreaking that us as women um, always have to not only educate you, but then also have to tell you when a situation that is blatantly inappropriate is inappropriate. And so, so again, when you're looking at what he did, asking a person if they would be a 20 year old intern, if they would be interested in a relationship with a 60 year old man, I shouldn't have to tell you that that is inappropriate con conversation at the workplace, particularly as the governor of your state. So to say, well, I didn't realize that that was inappropriate diminishes the fact that one, you should have known, but two, that's your fault, not my fault, because I didn't educate you that that was inappropriate conversation. Nobody said that it was nobody said it was your fault that you didn't educate us. The point is, is that if we just don't know, we just don't know. And, know. and what is blatant, what is blatantly, <laughs> I promise you, what is blatantly obvious to some people is not at all obvious to other people and and i tell you that as a husband what is blatantly what my wife thinks should be blatantly obvious to me often is not obvious to me well your and wife I'm would then also say this say i'm sorry you don't need to well, go and do this whole like please for going no, forward make sure you call me listen, out every time i'm being ignorant just say I'm that's sorry. your position <laughs> that's your position my my thing is this if you apologize to me i want to know why you did that to me why did you do this to me? And, you know, don't just tell me that you're sorry. Tell me why. But why would you do this to me, though? And if you don't offer a reason behind why you did what you did, how can I be assured that you're not going to do it again? I assure you a reason that I didn't recognize that was insensitive to me. It's not a good it's not a good reason. To, and I'm telling you and I tell you that because, again, the woman is. did the interview and she was like, it's. It's unacceptable that women have to be the ones that have to constantly call you out. You need to be considerate enough to know, one, you're a governor. You should not be having those type of conversations in the workplace. That's one-on-one, period, in a discussion. But two, for you to put the ownership that I've got to call you out every time you say something insensitive, is by virtue exhausting for us as well. You should know and take it upon yourself to either make sure all your conversations are professional, which he could do, 
or to say, you know, I recognize because again, social media, half of the world is recognizing that you are wrong here. I recognize that I abuse my position to, and put you in a position to be uncomfortable. You need to okay, recognize so that. Then I will say this as well. And this is not a defense of Andrew Cuomo. Again, I'll qualify that. Um, then she also needs to recognize that it is not appropriate for her to talk to her employer about her history of sexual abuse. And if the story comes out, as Andrew Cuomo said that it did, and that she approached him about her history of sexual abuse, that's inappropriate on her part. Who needs to be the one to explain to her that that's inappropriate conversation? I in don't doubt that she will not have the conversation again. But to me, those two are not tomatoes. But but who needs no, to no, who no. Needs those to two are not she tomatoes. Not, she not, but she wait, comes, ask the question, no, 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 though. Answer I, that. Should, I am she have, the question. should she have already if known she, that? If she came to him, because to me, that's not the same. You asking a 20-year-old, will you date someone who is 60-year-old man? It's not the same as letting your employer know, hey, by the way, I have a mental condition um, because of a history of abuse. No, I don't think oh, is the that, two. Is that, was that the context? I don't know what the context is. That's the point. Okay. And that's why I'm so, saying the so, cancel so culture. But is, you're saying, is, that but not, you're saying that's not what she should even, so if, she should even brought it up. And I'm saying if she's bringing it up for the purpose of alerting her employer that she may have a mental condition going on, then that's fine. But him responding with, will you date oh, someone so who, then is the a, reason, who is a 60 year old man that has nothing so to saying, do with then, one of the other. So what you're saying then the reason for the offense and the in the infringement is important because if she's bringing this up because he needs to know about her mental condition, then he needs to know the why, as opposed to her just simply apologizing. Well, I should never have brought that up in the first place. I'm saying you're comparing, and then left alone. You're comparing I'm two conversations that are not the same. That's what I'm saying. Him asking I'm saying a 20-year-old man, inappropriate you, a 20, a 20 is woman, would you date a 60-year-old man is not the same as her letting an employer know that, hey, I have a history of abuse. That's what I'm saying. You're trying to make the two the same and they are completely Why is that different. relevant? Why is it relevant for you as Again, an employee to tell me as an employer? For your employer to understand your mental condition. It could be relevant for that. I don't know why she brought that up, but I'm saying there is point. no, there we no, go. There's a no point. context for asking a 20-year-old woman, will okay, you date can, a 60-year-old man as her boss in the workplace? So don't compare the we two. We will concede. We'll concede on that one. Okay, we agree on that. <laughs> now, I'm saying to you, now let's not keep going back to that one. We've yeah, already said he's, he's completely wrong. And he one should have known. Clear, unwelcome and he should have known. The other one could My just question be a completely is, inappropriate conversation, but one is co is clear a harassment here. Clear? I don't I don't know that it's clear well, necessarily, they, they but no, I mean that's I'm not, I'm not I'm not qualified. Do not I'm not qualified to judge that. As, as someone's and supervisor, do not ask a 20-year-old woman, <laughs> 20-year-old employee, will you date a 50-year-old man? Do not do that. I I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, and, I and also point, agree. It's not it's not harassment, but it is unwelcome sexual advances. I also agree that it's inappropriate for a subordinate to come to her employer and talk about the intimate details of her history of abuse. And that is exactly what, what Andrew Cuomo is alleging happened. That seems that alleging, she shared, I agree with that. She shared the intimate details about her abuse in that. And at that point, she may have crossed the line. I don't know if when all the facts come out from the investigation, yeah, we'll, we'll see, know more. I don't even think that's but crossing I'm the line. going to say, 
I'm going to say that all the time. And please, why, let but why? Why would you cross know? the line? Why would you share it, intimate again, details about your? It may not be because again, I just told you a lot. Employees do tend to tell their employers about mental illnesses that they have, or about um, situations that could do triggers or whatever. I mean, that's that's a common thing that happens in the workplace. But what is not common is you propositioning a 20 year old woman about whether well, to see what that's that's her perception is. that it was a problem. That was her perception there was a proposition. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo will uh, argue that it was not uh, a proposition. And so let's not let's not he, let's not misconstrue he, me, and misrepresent what they said. That that was inappropriate conduct. Whereas to me, the other one, she no can question argue. About, but to me, she can't. No question argue about that, it being that, inappropriate. Providing an employer a history of abuse, she can argue that that's appropriate. She can argue. She and can better make that argument than he can make the argument that asking a twenty-year-old person <laughs> until the details, man, it's okay. Until the details of that sharing comes out. Now, if there were a lot of intimate details that were shared in that, she might have been expressing a type of vulnerability that could be perceived as an entrapment. I'm not saying that to malign again, this woman by any know. way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is that what is inappropriate... Six-year-old man, still, what, it, what, it still doesn't... It, it can't inappropriate naturally flow is in that inappropriate. conversation. Inappropriate no, is inappropriate. One is legally inappropriate and one is just morally or you're ethically in, inappropriate and that's to we'll me find is out. where we there the line has to be drawn we'll find out when the details <laughs> we'll find out when the details come out we will find out when the details come out assuming i will do. tell you this assuming they do because i mean here's the reason why i say that here's the reason why i say that it's because there are women who will proposition their uh, their superiors, their their employers or managers or supervisors. There are women who will do that and they and will wrong. initially and do that and it's wrong. It's equally wrong. And they'll do that by opening the door by expressing a vulnerability in a certain situation and and find a way to make an intimate connection with that employer. You're and if that employer is... at this point. <laughs> no, I'm not mansplaining at all. I'm just saying what is wrong is wrong, yes. regardless of who does it. If it's the man that does it, he's wrong for it. If that woman does it, she needs to be held accountable for it to it as well. Exactly. But, but we have as a society a tendency to go a lot more lenient on the female to say... Okay, well, she did something. Yeah, she was inappropriate, but that doesn't compare at all. You don't. You have no idea how she might have, and we have no idea how she might have tried to lead him down a path of that way uh, of entrapment. I'm not saying that she would have. I don't. I don't have any reason to believe that she would have. But there are women that will do <laughs> such a thing because they're like, wait a minute, he's got money, he's got power. Let's look at Monica Lewinsky, for example. Monica Lewinsky was the aggressor in that situation. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that situation. And so we're going to have to bring it up in the next episode because you are also wrong. (laughs) 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 And classifying her as the the aggressor in that situation. Well, the initiator. I'm sorry. I should say the initiator. And even in that context, I mean, she admitted that she was. You you are wrong. Um, But nonetheless, we're going to have to put that on for the next time because. I know we didn't quite finish our, our actual cancel culture conversation, so we'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to have to get canceled <laughs> for now. <laughs> yes, that's one we're looking at it. Um, so first of all, thank you all, your viewers, for your comments here. And please continue to comment some more. Like I said, we're going to talk about this again, so we're going to look at some of your comments. Um, if you want to rehear this 
um, podcast or this um, live recording, please go to Star Radio. It will be aired there. Also, of course, it'll be here on Facebook, but you can also go to your favorite podcast station um, with it at Spotify or Apple, and you can catch us on the roundtable there and, and rehear this episode. We'll be here again on Saturday, next Saturday at 11 Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Please continue to like, comment, and share, and we will see you next Saturday. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Console. We invite you to join us twice weekly on Facebook Live, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, and again on Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's facebook.com forward slash Roundtable Console with your hosts, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams.